This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. Hi, this is Julie. This is Liz. This is Sheila. This is Monica. This is Leanne. We are the Satellite Sisters. You are listening to Satellite Sisters to Go. We are the Satellite Sisters. Welcome to the show. It is Sunday, January 10th. This is Liz Dolan. I am uh, at the Satellite Sisters HQ here, Technical Operations Center, in my <laughs> second bedroom in Santa Monica, California. Uh, on the phone, I'm joined by my sister, Julie. Julie, we got the bad news from Monica first thing this morning. She was going to join us, but Monica's in the throes of a dental emergency. Uh, Those are like the two worst words ever to have together. I know. I know. Trying to find an emergency dentist on a Sunday. Uh, oh, no. Poor Monica. She called me. She said she woke up and like the whole right side of her face was all blown up. Oh. So the uh, so Monica's having a dental emergency. Sheila is working. Leon is working. So it's you and me. I mean, this is kind of work for us, but mainly we're here for the fun of it. Right. That's right, Liz. Well, um, I wasn't sure I was going to show up because... Why? If, well, because if I won the lottery last night, Liz, I thought, well, my life had changed. But let me tell you, with 38, 50, 54, 61, 67, and 13... I'm going nowhere, Liz. I'm right here for you, but I am very excited. I am. I am. I am. I have enjoyed this week of Powerball. I don't know. Are you participating in all the fun? No, ones? I have not been. Pre- I like really. It wasn't until yesterday that I even heard about it. I've been in a tunnel. I've been okay. in a professional tunnel okay. where even the thought of winning nine hundred million dollars or whatever it was had not intruded into the tunnel. Like it oh. is exciting though. That's- well, see, the thing is, Liz, because I think I'm going to win. I, I am not generous enough to even buy you a ticket. That's the thing. I could have bought you a ticket, but I was like, uh-uh. This is everyone's in it for themselves here. So I think it's very exciting. It comes at a great time. It's cold and dark in January. It's after the holidays. I think it brings the whole country together in a way that nothing else does. Liz. Nothing. I mean, <laughs> Democrats and Republicans can agree on Powerball. Yeah. It's fun for all ages, and I believe. Daydreaming is good for you, Liz. I think it has medicinal purposes, and and I think you should do more. Uh, I'm not going to get you a ticket, but I think you should go out and get yourself a okay. ticket. You're going to have a better week if uh, yes, okay, if yourself a ticket. All right, spend some emotional energy on just like firing my imagination on what it would be like to have a billion dollars. That's right. what that's what you're doing in your spare time now. Yeah, what, what's wrong with that? No, it's, no. It's, it's, and it's one point three million billion dollars, Liz. I might oh, add. Really? So who knows what it's going to be by Wednesday? So, oh, just, so is that when the next drawing is? It's Wednesday. Oh yes, Liz. Next, uh, it's on Wednesday. Yes. Okay, so by Wednesday you're going to be a billionaire. That is exciting. I know it's fun to think about, Liz. I got I got some plans. I've got some plans. Uh. All right. Well, other than that, we do have quite a range of news to discuss today. Um, Four words, El Chapo, Sean Penn. Sean Penn, El Chapo, El Chapo, Sean Penn. We're getting right to that at the top of the show. But uh-huh. then uh, your good friends in North Korea had quite a week. So I, I know. Wanna, How about that? How I want to hear your perspective on what's going on there. Mm-hmm. We both immediately were drawn to the story in the New York Times travel section today, about 52 places you have to go in 2016. I've got my list. You've got your list. And won't $1.3 billion help you to, <laughs> to visit some of these places, my dear sister? I think it would. Yes, I think it would. You could probably get to all of them with that if you wanted to do like one a week for, for the year, starting with starting Wednesday, Wednesday. You could just leave the country immediately. Uh, you know, um, see what I mean? Aren't you having fun already? I am. I am a lot more fun than I had at the consumer electronics show in Las Vegas that I'm going to tell you about. Uh, I also survived what I'm calling the week with no shoes. And, um, I want to fill you in a little bit on that. And then we have quite an entertainment roundup, like things we're looking forward to, right? 
Well, this is pretty much Super Bowl Sunday tonight, Liz, because I think some people might, might be watching the Golden Globes, but we also have Downton Abbey on and we have Madam Secretary. So wow. you better, you just better fire up your DVRs. That's all I can say. <laughs> okay. All, all right. right. Let's start at the top with the most perplexing story of the day. This showed up as an alert on my phone last night. <laughs> And I didn't see it till this morning, and I thought, well, well maybe I was dreaming. Did I dream? It, it's it's so, but it's like it has that bizarre nature of, to yes. the story that you're thinking, like, oh, well, this is a dream because this couldn't really ever happen. But it's the kind of dream if you had it, you'd wake up and you'd tell someone, like, I had the strangest dream last night, right? <laughs> right. And in the strange dream, Sean Penn mm-hmm. uh, went to Mexico. Right. And, and met up with the drug lord on the lamb, El Chapo. Right. Found his way to El Chapo's jungle hideout. This happened in October. And had a seven-hour face-to-face conversation with him uh-huh. for an article that just broke in Rolling Stone. where In which he describes the conversation as casual and warm. <laughs> and El Chapo was smiling a lot. Like just what this is like the world's biggest, you know, drug Lord. He's personally responsible for killing thousands and thousands of people. Uh, You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's so bizarre. It's so bizarre. So if you don't want to support the actual story by going to Rolling Stone and reading it, I, you know, that's, that's your personal choice. The New York times has a helpful little list today of, what do we actually know about what happened here? Because I think the New York Times, like the rest of the world, was like, wait, what? <laughs> this, what? This happened? Uh-huh. So um, so they have a story like what we actually know about Sean Penn and El Chapo. All right. Well, break it down for us. So Luke. the first thing you want to know is how the heck did Sean Penn get to El Chapo, right? Mm-hmm. Like, wh- how did that happen? Well, he, you know, he does hang around with South American dictators, but, you know, so he has sort of a resume in that area. But, but, but like, this uh, sounds more like a movie because the linchpin here, Julie, uh, is a Mexican actress named Kate Del Castillo. Right, right. And she, again, this is all in the time, she once played the mastermind of a drug cartel in a soap opera, and she tweeted a message sympathetic to El Chapo in 2012. And so that led to an exchange back and forth between El Chapo and Kate Del Castillo that lasted over a couple of years, first through intermediaries and then directly with him, because he, of course, like every other terrible person in the world, wanted help to make a movie about his life, right? So you're with me I so mean, far? Isn't that amazing? Isn't that, yes. I mean, that, you know, he has billions and billions of dollars, you know, and he brags about, you know, his boats and his submarines and his planes but everybody wants to be famous right yeah. everybody wants to be in the movies you know and it, you know he that's that's what brought him down or that's why they caught him this time it's not yeah. Be, yeah yeah so so you remember people he escaped from prison in july and right. it was really embarrassing to everyone involved snuck out through a hole in the floor in the shower right and so like uncovering just this massive corruption within the system in mexico like who got him out who knows i don't know but anyway so he's been on the on the lam since july so this kate del castillo is the intermediary and somehow um they instead of making a movie Kate and El Chapo decided that, okay, a magazine story would be uh, a better way to go. So somehow this connects to Sean Penn. El Chapo agrees to be interviewed. But Sean Penn wrote in the story apparently that he really thinks that El Chapo just wanted to meet the actress, right? Just meet Kate Del Castillo. So this so, is, he was trying to get a date. Yeah. yeah. I mean, again, it sounds like I just watched um, the Netflix series Narcos. It's, yes. It sounds, right. sounds sort of remarkably like that. Yeah. You yeah. know, it's funny, Julie, because when this hit the news last night, I was uh-huh. home making dinner. So what did I do? I went to Netflix and I watched the first couple of episodes of Narcos. <laughs> 
I, we, we had recommended it. You had recommended it, and I hadn't gotten it to it yet. What did okay. you think, Liz? So it's the same story. Sort of. Yes. I mean, I think I, I think that El Chapo is going to have to just reconcile himself to the fact that somebody already made his story, and it's it's already on TV. Anyway, so so now Sean Penn somehow gets to the jungle hideout, you know, which feels like a movie. And so there's a lot of explanation about how that happened, and then there's explanation. Like, they talked about, as I said, you know, seven hours of discussion. He, he apparently, Sean Penn was not allowed to bring a pen or paper or record anything. Right. So, um, but, you know, El Chapo was saying things like, I supply more heroin, methamphetamine, cocaine, and marijuana than anyone else in the world. I have a fleet of submarines, airplanes, trucks, and boats. Okay. Nice guy. Uh, I'm glad. Yes, I want to see the, the your life story. But here's for me, Julie. Here's what the issue is. Um, if it was a journalist going to do this, would I feel differently than Sean Penn going to do it? Because it has this bizarre Hollywood. I want to make a movie, and obviously Sean Penn would like to make that movie. I mean that. I heartily disapprove of, but if it was, I was thinking if it was a real journalist like Sebastian Younger getting uh-huh. to El Chapo, or there's a guy I was just with this week who you would be fascinated by. His name is Neil Shea, and he writes for National Geographic magazine and is doing a special for the TV show Explorer on National Geographic. Um, He's been spending a lot of time uh, with the Kurds and with ISIS. So he's, oh, wow. he's doing a story about how the Kurds are fighting against ISIS. And I know that's something you've talked about on the show a lot. So, right. you know, those kinds of war journalists that go behind the lines and get, get the stories we actually do need to know. Would I feel better about this if it was Sebastian Younger or Neil Shea that got there than Sean Penn? Yeah, I think so. I yes. think there's something so selfish about Sean Penn doing it. I don't know. What is your reaction? Well, I, I mean, well, my fr- I wonder if he is like, you know, in some way circumventing the law. You know, is he a, think he's above the law? It, was he is he aiding a, a fugitive? I mean, he had information about a, a fugitive that is wanted worldwide. OK. Yeah, yeah. And that he, you know, he is not. Uh, you know, and he, he didn't tell anyone about that. So I, I read this morning that uh, the Justice Department is looking into this. The Mexican government is looking into his role in spending this time. You know, that he could have he could have t- told authorities where El Chapo. Well, he yeah. could have told authorities what he knew about El Chapo. So uh, I, I, you know, no, I don't think you get like because you're an artist, you know, and I think that's how mm-hmm. Sean Penn sees himself. A mm-hmm. truth, te- I think a truth teller. That's what he said. He said, I just tell the truth. Uh, that's, that's, that's the rhythm of my life, you know, that he's, um, and so everything's okay. Well, not exactly. No, mm-hmm. I, you know, I think this guy was a known fugitive and that. And a killer. a killer. And a killer. Yes. I mean, he's killed thousands of people, you know, and he terrorized you know, millions more and, mm-hmm. you know, and that he is probably responsible for most, most of the, you know, uh, illegal drugs coming into the United States or a big portion of them. So, so I, I don't think it's the same. I don't have any sympathy. I don't think he needs to be above the law at all. So do you think if it was a journalist, would you feel different? Well, that's about a it? good question. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I mean, again, I might, I, again, because he's so notorious, Liz, I, I don't know if you, if you have, if don't you have some, you know, some, uh, some, you know, standards that you need to, you know, tell people about this? I don't know. What if it's, I can't say. Yeah. I don't You'd know. Be okay. If it was a journalist, do you think? I don't know. I mean, this is what, this is to me, what's interesting about it. I know I feel terrible about, about the fact that it was Sean Penn because it seems, it seems so self-aggrandizing right. and it seems like there's, there's a different motive for him. You know, because he's not a professional truth teller. He's an actor and movie producer. And so you just feel like they were kind of mutually exploiting each other here because obviously El Chapo wants to get the movie made. And Sean Penn must have played along on the idea of, yeah, let's let's talk about a movie. Uh, And now that it's published as a story in Rolling Stone, of course it gets optioned as a movie. You know, so does he make, does Sean Penn make money off of this interview 
you know, from this notorious drug dealer? And if you're making money from a drug dealer, you know, aren't you culpable of something bad? I mean, I think, you know, that's what I I don't know. It's it's super complicated. I think that there are already this morning people had posted on the Satellite Sisters Facebook group that they they really looked forward to hearing us talk about this. (laughs) So I think people are going to people have very strong feelings about Sean Penn. Right. Uh, Right. You know, I, I don't. Uh, like there are many fine things Sean Penn has done. Some of the work he's done in Haiti, you have to look at that and think, you know, he has really helped that country and stuck with that country long after lots of other people left. But then there's this whole other side of Sean Penn, which I recognize people find him hateable, (laughs) you know? That's, but uh, well, I, again, I think it's because it's this idea that he's above the law or that he doesn't have to play by the rules that everybody else has to play by. You know, that's that's uh, you know, I think he's entitled to, you know, do the kind of he do, has done some great projects and he's entitled to his political points of view. Uh, but this this seems something very different uh, in terms of that he was, you know, aiding in, in some ways he was aiding a fugitive. You know, I think the you know other, what it reminds me of, you, you know how the movie Argo was yes. so, um, it was so preposterous. The, the fact that it was a true story made it even more preposterous that added a lot to the entertainment value of that movie. Right. Uh, like how that whole, th- and again, there was this Hollywood angle about let's pretend we're making a movie and we can get these, um, Free, the, we were free yeah. the Americans that were held Get up. Get the hostages uh, out of Iran. This has that kind of like impossible to believe element to it. Uh, I don't know. All right. Well, all right. The, my final point, Liz, is this week, uh, you know, there were two, you know, no, different levels, but obviously, you know, people that were uh, fugitives, you know, one is El Chapo and he was, he was, it seems like his downfall was because he was reaching out to people in order to make a movie. So if right. you're on the run, you should probably not be involved not do that. in your film project or ordering a pizza, a Domino's pizza uh, as the affluenza teen and his mom were, and that was their downfall. They tracked them. Oh, really? Mexico. Yes. That's how they found him with on a cell phone. They were in, uh, they were in an apartment and they ordered a Domino's pizza uh, oh, using their cell phone list. So just make a note when you're next time you're a fugitive, you know, no movie projects, no pizza. Okay? Haven't you people watched Homeland? For God's sakes, the first <laughs> thing they do is get rid of their phones, right? You just, right. you destroy your phone, you throw it in the trash can, in the train station in Berlin, and you get the heck out of there. Right. Burner phones all the way, Liz. That's the way you got to do it. (laughs) Okay. So uh, another one above the law, uh, North Korea, Julie. People, because because people know you've been to North Korea and are very knowledgeable, they were already asking in the Facebook group, what does Julie make of the H-bomb detonation this week? Yes. Well, I mean, that's, I I came across first as that there was an earthquake, you know, that they felt tremors in North Korea. Whether or not it was an H-bomb, it was a pretty big bomb, Liz, okay? And that is big enough that it created uh, a seismic uh, event. Um, And what was interesting was to see sort of the worldwide reaction, you know, that China was shocked that there was a bomb going off. One of the things that I picked up when we were in North Korea was that nothing in North Korea happens without China's permission. I mean, North Korea kind of operates, you know, as this crazy, you know, the crazy cousin and crazy uncle with permission from uh, from China, you really? can't get you. Yes, be and I asked one of the one of the uh, one of the other people traveling on uh, with our group into North Korea was a, a professor of Chinese studies at uh, at Cambridge, and he was saying that this had, at the time this really suited the Chinese that because because they could be uh, very provoking, um, you know, and create all kinds of situations with South Korea, you know, and uh, make difficult situations for the U.S. uh, without China being directly involved. You know, it becomes like an actor for China. Mm -hmm. Um, And so 
I am sure, number one, that China was involved in this in terms of the technology and that any technology that China did not provide, I'm sure they got from the Iranians, you know, that that was that's another trading partner uh, for North Korea. They don't have anything else going on there, Liz. And that's it's, you know, it's one of those countries that the only way that they can sort of hold that place together is with terrorism, you know, and with, you know, and with a total dictatorship. And that if they have, you know, are creating this propaganda that they're still at war with, with the U.S., that they're still fighting that war, that it, you know, to have these, you know, successful bomb tests, it, it, you know, it, it acts as a way to keep people in line and distract people from the complete domestic failure that is mm-hmm. North Korea. I saw recently that North Korea now has the distinction of being the worst economy in the world. In the world, Liz, the worst economy. Mm-hmm. It has absolutely no private en- enterprise. It, you know, it cannot feed its own people. It has no rule of law there. Um, it has, you know, they don't really even have st- any method of exchanges, open exchanges going on. It is the worst account, ranked lower than anything in Africa or, you know, or the Middle East, uh, North Korea. It just seems like such a dark corner of the world. You right. Just for the people that live there and probably, I don't know, how much do you think they know now about what's going on in the rest of the world? I know obviously the government makes a lot of effort to make sure people have no Internet access and all of that kind of stuff. Do you think they know they are alone in the world in the way they live? Uh, I, it's, that's hard to, uh, hard to know. Um, yeah, I, I think they, they would be happy with that role. I think maybe that they see themselves on a singular purpose, Liz, which is to, you know, they see themselves as a superior race. That's what they tell you. It's their job to unify the Korea, uh, the Korean peninsula and that the South Koreans are going to be so happy when they're back with the North Koreans and having the North Koreans lead the way because they are the superior race on the planet Earth. You know, there's a very interesting editorial today in the New York Times by Joel Witt, who is a senior fellow of U.S. Korean Institute at Johns Hopkins University. And, he is, and he's a founder of an interesting website called 38 North, all about North Korea. And the the headline of this or the title of this editorial is those crazy North Koreans, question marks. And this is a guy who has been working for the last 25 years on our whole negotiation strategy with North Korea uh, to try to reduce their ability to build a nuclear weapon. And he said that one of the big problems is that most of the West, including the U.S., you know, sort of treats North Korea as this, you know, that they're the cartoon villains. Yeah, right. Um, well, that was especially through the whole Dennis Rodman scenario. Yes, sure. Remember when he was, you know, became Kim Jong-un's best friend there for a while. I was just yes. thinking maybe that should be Sean Penn's next mission. A little, a little <laughs> bit anyway, okay, let's move on from the super depressing thing. Yes. Okay. So there are dark corners of the world that you would never want to go to, or if you're Julie Dolan, you would go there once and then swear you would never go back. And then there are 52, in today's paper, 52 great places to go this year. So we both immediately were drawn to this story, Julie. Um, Mm -hmm. What was your reaction? Well, you know, I love this list every year. It's, you know, again, it's daydreaming, Liz. It, uh, it would be great to go visit all of these places. Um, and it's just good to keep, you know, some in mind. But for some reason this year, I'm on a Nordic bent, Liz. Nordic, and I, huh? Nordic, Liz, there is something just uh, drawing me to, like, Sweden, Liz. I want to go visit Sweden. Have I've you never, ever been there? No, I've never been there, Liz. And mm-hmm. so number nine on this on the list of 52 places to visit is a place called Skane, Sweden. Uh, and they're touting, they said Swedish food is going to be the next big food trend in the United States. Other, guess, other than meatballs. Other where, than meatballs. What is Swedish I don't know. food? I don't know. It's, you know, it's, you know they, they forage in the, in the woods for things and it's uh very feels like everything would be frozen i I don't know liz i don't know but i just that was that was number one on my list like ah sweden i would love to go there i'd love to go there in the winter time when it's all frosty i'd love to see it in the summer when you know you have because you're that far north you know it would stay late and you'd have such long summer days 
So that number nine on my list, Liz, what, what about what, what was attractive to you? Well, there were, um, there were a handful that jumped out, uh, because the, of course they would be on this list, but, but I've never been there. Uh, and then there was one surprise that I want to discuss with you because we've both been there and you wouldn't necessarily think of it on this list, but, uh-huh. but the ones that jumped out on me, like places I've never been, um, Bordeaux, like for God's sakes, why haven't I ever been to Bordeaux? That seems <laughs> seems yeah. like, a, like a place I would enjoy. Yes, uh, th- that's very nice there, Liz. I think you should go visit mm-hmm. St. John Vir- Virgin Island. Monica, our sister Monica, is a big fan of say, the island of St. John's and has been there. And she describes it as like heaven on earth. Never uh-huh. been there. That sounds I, right. I've never heard anyone say, uh, you know, who's been there, they're all incredibly enthusiastic about its natural beauty. Most of it is a, 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 a you know, it's a preserved park. Um, and right. so, uh, that sounds very nice. Yes. Then Good choice. Two, two other more exotic choices on the list. Mozambique has always fascinated me. I would oh. love to go to Mozambique. And then they put Virunga on the list. Now, Virunga is a national park in the Democratic Republic of Congo, yes. and which has been very, very dangerous until recently. And I don't know if you saw, there was a documentary last year that was nominated for an Academy Award called Virunga. Uh, you can watch it on Netflix. And it's about how the war in the DRC had affected over time um, the animals who live in that park and the, it's sort of, it was kind of about the poaching business, but also about the people who decided to try to protect, um, the chimps and the other animals of Virunga. It was fascinating. And on the National Geographic channel, we actually have a new series coming out just about that. So I'm oh. like, that's something I would, I would really, you know, I didn't realize it was still safe enough that it had already become safe enough to travel there if you're a normal person. But the Times rec- recommends it. But here's a surprise. Okay. A, little, a little town where I have lived and you have spent a lot of time, and I would say, yes, full of charm, Providence, Rhode Island made the list, Julie. <laughs> and <laughs> yes, you were, yes, you were a student in that far yes. town. It has a canal down the middle of it, right, Liz? It's got canals. Uh, it's got cobblestones. It's yes. an hour from some fabulous beaches. What yes. really caught my eye, so Providence, Rhode Island is number 33 on the list. And the subhead says, the East Coast answer to Portland, Oregon? Question mark. Uh-huh. And I would say yes. Can I just say this? The first time I ever went to Portland, Oregon, it was on a business trip. Uh, and I remember like walking around and checking out the whole city and saying, you know, this seems like a West coast Providence to me. I, I <laughs> like this town. And it you're was... such a visionary, Liz, you knew even then. So that <laughs> well, was, and it was like three years later that I got recruited to go to that job in, at Nike, which is in Portland, Oregon. And so when I originally got recruited for the job, I'm like, really? And then I was like, no, wait a minute. I went to Portland. And I loved Portland, and it reminded me a lot of Providence. Now, apparently, it's going back the other way, Julie. So they, they, what they say is that this cobblestone, cobblestone line capital has the sort of bearded liberalness and ever-rising food scene okay. uh, that might be similar to residents of, of Portland, Oregon. And I think that's true. And I know, I know your son also went to college there and your yes. daughter-in-law. So you've, you've spent some time even more recently than me in Providence. What do you think? Nice weekend in Providence as a just getaway that would be enjoyable Liz I, I that would be I could see that I mean that's why I like the list because it has some things that are like Providence Rhode Island or it has number 24 which is North India which I would really like to go to too so yeah okay Liz that's good okay you well, just got to reel in that billion dollars let's let's, let's focus on <laughs> winning Powerball um okay so I just uh I just finished a very very rocky week and that I'm just going to call the week with no shoes. Well, and uh oh, well, here here's what sounds happened. like a packing disaster, Liz. Is that it's, possible? You know, you think you're doing the right thing, and you have a plan that seems sound, and then you miss one step in the plan, and your whole life starts to come apart. So here was my plan, Julie. You know, our mother was always reminding us to take good care of our shoes. Yes, right. She was. She was. Bring them back to the shoemaker, have new heels put in, have them repaired. You know, she just really believed if you bought good shoes, they could last forever if you took good care of them. But, you know, 
So mom, and because mom lived here in Santa Monica, not too far from me, she would often see my shoes and see the state of disrepair that my shoes were in. And she would either remind me to go get my shoes repaired or she would just take them herself. Right. So So, she was sort of a shoe concierge for you. Yes, exactly. And that made her feel very useful to me. So I allowed, even encouraged it. Sure. You, you, you want to take care of my shoes? You know, Sheila tried to play that role when you were living together at one point, right? As your shoe concierge? <laughs> shoe concierge. You were- no, Sheila was actually, she was just putting powder inside my shoes at night when I wasn't <laughs> looking. That's a, sli- that's a little more invasive than someone saying, can I take those shoes to the shoe repair for you? Okay. So, so okay. anyway, so, so mom has been gone for three years now. And I realized that I haven't taken a single pair of shoes to Angelo, the shoe repair guy in those three years. Oh, so, God. so right before Christmas, uh, before I went away on my vacation, I thought, okay, this is my moment. This is let, let's like channel the spirit of mom. And I took out every, every pair of anything that is a heavy rotation for me. Uh-huh. So my red short boots. I just, yes, I know. Those are your go-to, those are, go-to yes. footwear okay. for most the red, red short boots. They needed repaired. My tall brown boots, they needed to be repaired. My big black boots, the ones I bought to come visit you in uh-huh. uh, Moscow. Yes. I, I wear those all the time now, just chunky black boots. Those really needed uh, some attention. My gray suede pumps that I wear whenever, like, I have a dress on that requires, like, tall shoes but not boots. And then a pair of black flats that, of course, you wear your black flats all the time. So those are those are my, my five heavy rotation footwear um, uh, uh, selections. I gathered them all up. I took them to Angelo's. Angelo was not there when I was there. And I said, okay, you know, here you go. Two weeks to shape these up. I'll be back at the end of the holidays to get these. Well, <clears throat> of course, I forgot to go back at the end of the holidays. Oh. And then, so it wasn't until last Saturday that I went to go pick them up, knowing I had a super busy week this week of things that required professional level footwear. And uh, so so I go in last Saturday to pick them up, and Angelo's like, no, I just set these aside. I didn't know what I was supposed to do. The guy didn't tell me what you wanted. I'm like, mm-hmm. you're, you're kidding. So, so, so basically he spent – so I had to go through pair by pair, and we discussed what needed to be done. And I appreciate his attention to detail, right, <laughs> that, the fact that he just didn't want to start. But so what it really left me is like this week – was a week with no shoes, Julie. Like, okay, Liz. Like, okay. Well, many women would not find that a problem, Liz. They would just see that as a big green light. Uh, let's go shoe shopping or shoe ordering. Yes, Who's got the up. time? I don't have the time to go shoe shopping. Uh, like, I had to do two big things this week that required professional level footwear. Uh-huh. One was we had it's the Television Critics Association meeting here in Pasadena. So as the National Geographic Channel, we had a big event with all of our new shows and the talent on the new shows. And you're there all day and then you're talking to people so I needed a decent pair of shoes for that and then I was going to the consumer electronics show in Las Vegas where like footwear is do or die in those big Las Vegas conventions. Oh centers. yeah. Oh. <laughs> so I was left with two completely suboptimal pairs of shoes. One is black patent leather flats that I've had for a long time but mm-hmm. now they're like a half size too small. They just don't they just don't fit my feet anymore. So they look fine to if you were observing me, it would look okay. But they are the world's least comfortable flat shoes. Like you just by the awful. And then I have a pair of black pumps that are really way too tall to spend the whole day in. So and but both so both of these shoes are so uncomfortable that even if you were like trying to like switch back and forth between the two of them, it was really so it is a wonder I survived this week. That's, I just want to say that. Like, it's the, my week with no shoes. I am never doing that again. The idea that taking all five pairs of my heavy rotation to Angelo at the same time, what was I thinking, Julie? I that don't was, know, Liz. That was, well, it's how you, you just plunge into things, Liz. I mean, you don't do things halfway. That's the thing. I no, mean, it was. Right. You don't do it incrementally. No. You, there's no point for you in doing things incrementally. No. It's either all or nothing. Right. And you see what happens. I so. am not going to get back next month for the some other thing. It's do or die, now or never, all or nothing at all. 
And uh, as a result, I nearly crippled myself this week. But yesterday I went back in. I got to say, Angelo's the man. These, okay. these five pairs of shoes, mom is smiling down from heaven okay. because all five of these, these pairs look fantastic, Julie. You know, you save yourself thousands of dollars. And, but really who wants, anyway. So there you go. I survived, okay. I survived the week with no shoes. Just wanted to give you that as a uh, uh, heads up. So, okay. So let me mention the Consumer Electronics Show. Right. Yeah. Right. You put some interesting posts on our Facebook group page this week, Liz. What was the, What is that? It must be amazing. It's insane. I, like I had actually never been before. I mean, I've been to big, big conventions in Las Vegas before, but this one is like uh, alleged to be the biggest, most chaotic of all of them. So it's like every possible kind of new electronic product you could ever imagine. They always unveil like the new TVs or, I mean, this year, it was all about the drones, but like every like gadget and gizmo and upgrade and it's software and it's hardware and it's just, it's just insane. So, but I was only there for one super long day. So I got up, you know, in the pre-dawn hours and flew there, spent the whole day and evening there. And then in your like, uncomfortable in shoes. In my uncomfortable shoes. Like it was torture. Uh, so, um, but so the three highlights I wanted to mention, some of which I've already posted in the Facebook group. Um, the first was, did you see the video I posted for pet chat? <laughs> yes. Yes. So pet chat. So pet lovers, um, in case you've ever wanted your dog or your cat to be able to call you at work, uh, your problem is now solved. Uh, pet chat it's this whole technology where there's a camera and like a pad where, I mean, this would take skills that Ferris, it is way too late in his life to, to figure out how to do it. It's not like they have to dial a number or anything now. It really but it's is. A paw patro- it's like paw pad. Yes, right? it's a paw pad. You just hit the paw pad and, uh, and your pet can call you. And of course they need to also be smart enough to like stay there in front of the camera. And most of the pets I know might not be able to figure that part of it out. So you can actually have a phone conversation uh, with your pet. It would uh, be good for infants and toddlers too. That's right. <laughs> anyway, I just thought there was, I know there are a lot of people that are going to try that. In my end, I think training Ferris to be able to either place the call or answer the call, <laughs> it might be a little bit too late for that. Uh, but if you want, so if you want to see, so I posted the video that explains the whole product and how it works. I, I posted that myself. So, so you can find that, um, pet chat. Then I went to an event. I was actually a speaker on a panel. Um, I should probably explain that a little bit. So at all of these big conventions, not all of them, but uh, you know, like big things in the media business and the technology business, there is this semi-secret thing that goes on called the girls lounge and what what the girls lounge is it's this woman who organized this like semi-secret getaway because there are usually so few women at these kinds of things she has like a special lounge where, where you can just go hang out if you need a little dose of female energy uh you can just hang out there and they they'll also freshen up your hair and makeup which is delightful And then over the course of the convention, they have small group meetings and panels and their, their motto is confidence is beautiful. So it's all about building up women's confidence. They do a lot of presentation training. There's a lot of mentorship. It's so it's for women who are more advanced in their careers to help women who are less advanced in their careers. So it's this little place where stuff happens and which I've only gotten tuned into in the last year, Uh, you know, but anyway, so at least once during each one of these major shows they're at, they have what they call their power panel or power conversation. And they asked me to be on the power conversation. Of course. <laughs> well, <Natural mold>. yes. <laughs> well, yes. because the topic of the power conversation was uh, how to interrupt bias. Like, uh-huh. what, what do you really do in the workplace to call out bias, to change people's behavior, uh, so they had, you know, um, there were like a dozen of us women from, well, and they had a couple of men on the panel, panel too, but it was mainly women just talking about, 
our own professional experiences, like what we do or, you know, anyway. So because of my kind of noisy resignation from the Quicksilver board last year and the fact that I had, like I called them out for gender bias and also wrote about it very publicly, they felt like I should be added to the power conversation. So it was actually kind of fun. And I posted a picture of that. If you're wondering what that picture is, where it's taken from the top and it's just, you're looking down into kind of a crowded, but pretty room. That's what's happening there. So, so one thing that, that when the woman I was seated next to, this was, this was really an interesting thing to me. Her name is Carolyn Everson. She's the kind of person that I bump into at all at all of these things. She's the head of sales for Facebook. So, oh, so her like a big job. Yeah, that's a big job, and she's an amazing person. Uh, so her bosses are basically Mark Zuckerberg and Sheryl Sandberg, and she was talking about how Sheryl Sandberg, who of course I wrote about in You're the Best, how much I admire Sheryl Sandberg, uh, that Sheryl Sandberg actually created and published at Facebook, and it's now available to anyone in the world who wants it, um, a training on how to root out bias in your organization. And it sounded really, really fascinating. So that's definitely something I'm going to look up. But she also talked about, you know, the the buzzword is always transparency. Like you're not really going to be able to uh, discriminate against people in, say, salaries if you just, if everybody knows what's happening with that, if everything is open and above board. Or also like if people are, she said it's, people need to be vulnerable at work, like talk about what they really think and what they really need. And she said that Mark Zuckerberg is her boss, and obviously Sheryl Sandberg, too. We've seen that since her husband um, died so suddenly and so sadly. They're very public and very vulnerable and very open in the public. So Carolyn was saying what she does to try to encourage her team, like everything is above board, everything is open. Every year when she gets her review, which is presumably done by Zuckerberg, she gives everyone that works for her a copy of her review, Julie. Wow. Wow. That's, that's transparent. That, I mean, that is putting is your money where your mouth I've never, is. I've never heard of anything. I had never heard of that either. Hmm. I, I had never heard of that. So as much as I, you know, support all, all of these efforts, uh, I'm not doing that. That just oh. seems, wow. So, but, but good for her. Put your money where your mouth is. Just, she's and does she find that that is having a positive result? Yes. Yes. Employees? Okay. Yeah. I mean, you can see how that would create trust within a department or a company if everyone was that open with everyone else. Yeah. So anyway, so uh, they may or may not post a video of that. If they do, I will um, I will find it and post it on the Satellite Sisters Facebook page. But what I was really getting to was a product highlight. And I want Leon, our sister Leon in particular, to pay attention to this because I know she posted on her Facebook page today that apparently she was baking a cake this morning. Did you, did you see that post? I did. I did. Well, just Leon baking a cake. Okay. That should never happen. Okay. Leon is such a fine cook. She is. But that, that is, I mean, but then things drop off when you come in the, in the dessert category, right? Yes. She's not a baker. She is not a baker. No. So she posted uh, on Facebook this morning that she made this cake. It's in the oven, you know, all good to go. And then she opened the microwave and saw the butter that she melted that was supposed to have gone into the cake Oops. batter. Oops. So here is the solution to Leon's problem. This was, so this was like in the thank you goodie bag from the girls lounge. Uh-huh. Like I got like a bunch of product samples. So it's not the consumer electronics show. This is not an electronic product, which is why it makes it way more interesting to me. It's a product called my cup of cake. I will post a photo of this. So this is warm Belgian chocolate souffle cake mm. that you make in under three minutes in your own cup, Julie. Mm. Oh, I've, se- I've seen ads for this. You have? I have yes. never heard of this. Yes. yes. Oh, my God. And so- I just determined that could never come in my house because I would eat one of those every <laughs> single day. That's a, It's one of those things. I just cannot taste it oh because I would not be able to resist it. So yeah, uh, here's what it says on the back of the package. Inside one cup, we've gathered all the ingredients you need to create your very own delicious, all-natural Belgian chocolate souffle cake that you make in less than two minutes. Goodbye bowls, beaters, whisks, and mess. With my cup of cake, 
whipping up a luscious dessert is fun, fast, and easy, and generously serves too. That's why I said like rut row. Okay, it serves two. <laughs> serves no. two. It's gonna serve one person or one <laughs> or one. Because <laughs> I mean, like, is there anything else that doesn't that sound so cozy and comfortable and delicious? Oh a God. cup of cake. A oh, cup of cake. Oh, uh, and it really. So you just add water. So you take a coffee mug. You add water and a little bit of oil. You add the packet to the cup. You stir it. You put it in the microwave on a paper towel for one to two minutes. Uh, and then it's a, Liz, it's a gateway drug. Don't ever, <laughs> don't ever try it. Just don't ever try it. Liz. Isn't it sad though, that I just went to the world's biggest electronic show and what I actually came home with was my <laughs> cup of cake. <laughs> uh, anyways, it's a drone when you have a cup of cake, Liz. Right. Okay. So let's talk about the drone. This is the last thing I want to mention from CES. So I posted a video of a new drone called Lily is the name of this product. So if you just L I L Y. So if you go to lily.camera online and look at this video, believe me, like I thought of like your boys when they were teenagers, uh-huh. Liam's boys now, <laughs> our brother Brendan's kids. Like basically this is a little mini personal drone that is like hooked up with all the cameras. So imagine if you had a GoPro on a on a drone Oh, no. But you can program, you just throw it up in the air. So it's yeah. a throw and shoot. So you throw it up in the air and then you jump on your snowboard and you head down the hill. You do whatever tricks you want. It can follow you. It can get in front of you. It can do super slow-mo. So when you're, go- when you're going over the jump, it super slow-mos you. So basically it addresses the basic problem with the GoPro, which is that if it's on your helmet, you are not in the footage. Right. But this is a drone that is programmed to follow you while you do what you do. And it's totally waterproof, too. There's part of this video that you'll see where you can just you throw it in the water. Then you jump in your kayak, and it totally tracks your whitewater adventure. That's good, Liz. And then the most hilarious part of the video is you'll see the third demo they do is to prove that even old people can use this. And they don't say that. But there is just like a <laughs> bunch of people with gray hair standing on a hill. <laughs> They're just standing there. They're not doing any of the athletic activities. They're just standing there. They throw the drone into the air and they get this whole huge swooping shot. Like think of, think of Maria singing the sound of music, right? right you it. know, you're Julie Andrews. You're up on the mountain. But now you're just an old person standing on the mountain. It looks like they're standing with their adult children. So you're getting a whole family photo that then it shows them in the living room watching all this beautiful footage of them. So Lily.camera. I like, and it's, here's the thing. You, you think like, okay, uh, sure, but it's probably like 10,000. You have to win. You have to win the lottery. Yeah, you think so. Well, yeah. no, you don't, Julie. $799 oh, this wow. thing. Wow. It's everybody's going to have them. People yeah. are going to be throwing those drones all over I know. the place. It's it's like, even, even in the demo, when they throw it up on the ski hill, I was like, oh, my God, that's going to hit the chairlift. Imagine if you were skiing and everybody had a drone, either following them or leading them. So I'm sure it's going to be against the law. But if yeah. you're like the first kid on the hill with that, yeah, you, you win. You win. That's so that's there you go. Lily. Just want to put that out there. L-I-L-Y. Okay, that's good. Hey, I want to tell you about in another Lily, and it's L I L L Y, and that is uh, my my son Nick and his family um, adopted a dog. Okay, uh, I, you know this is. You know, and and we've talked about it here on Satellite Sisters for years. And so many people on our Facebook page are such big supporters of, you know, uh, of pound, you know, pound puppies and rescue dogs. And they do such good work. This, they, uh, they got a, they've been, their oldest daughter, Alice, um, she, that's all she's talked about for the last, uh, year is a dog. She, that's all she wanted. That's all. So now Alice is eight, right? She's eight. And just, it just started it, it for like solid. Every time you talk to her, she said, well, you know, she'd had the name of the dogs. Lily was good, Of course, the name that she wanted, if it was a girl dog, Charlie, if it was going to be a boy dog. Good and name. Solid. She, solid she name. Would, she would look up breeds. She would talk about, you know, what temperament it would need to 
to be. She, you know, went over what the responsibilities of, you know, she looked up how to be a good pet owner, you know, everything. That's all she wanted. So they went and adopted this dog at, from the pound. And he was, uh, little Lily was, uh, is really one of those bits and pieces dogs. Liz. <laughs> I mean, this dog has one ear from somebody, another ear has two different color eyes. I, the vet has told my daughter-in-law that, uh, that the dog is mainly uh, an African hunting dog. I, I don't I've know. I've never what, even heard of that. I, what, uh, what does that, that mean? Who has, Liz? Who has? Who has? <laughs> but Lily, like most dogs that you get from the pound, is that she has won the lottery. I mean, she won the lottery this week. She cannot believe that she ended up in this family, that, you know, they're loving and it's warm. Three and little kids who are going and, to ride her and pet her. I, and Vera grew up, you know, in Kyrgyzstan where they didn't have a lot of, like, you know, Perina dog chows so the russian tradition for dogs is you know you cook them a hot meal so lily's getting some hot meals i mean this kidding next thing you know she's gonna get my cup of cake (laughs) (laughs) she is so grateful to be in this family the the only problem they're having is she doesn't want to go for a walk because she doesn't want to leave the house she (laughs) thinks that house is the greatest thing ever she just like they take her outside. She's like, "Let me back in under the dining room table." So it's very sweet. Oh, and that is so great! So how big is she, or how big is she's she going to be? She's medium size. She's skinny, very, very skinny. Like bigger so, than Ferris? Uh, a little bigger than Ferris, not, uh, but not much more. And she's got long, <laughs> different legs. My, uh, my husband thinks her tail is a hyena tail. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, she's she's bits and pieces, but it's all together. <laughs> and she's as sweet as she can be but it is a good reminder like if you're on the fence or you're not sure you want to take on the responsibility of a dog or you know you have second thoughts about getting you know a pound dog uh, I mean this this is such it's such a happy ending for this family and for Lily um yeah it was it's yeah well I well your son grew up with the pound dog because you know Nick basically grew up in can you hear me okay Yes, I can. Okay. I mean, Nick basically grew up in when you were living in New Orleans. Yes. And you guys went to the pound in New Orleans and adopted a dog who you named Marty, as in Mardi Gras. Right. And Marty was definitely bits and pieces. Bits and pieces. Yes. Well, this dog, maybe it's even, it's more pronounced, Liz. It's like, <laughs> whoa. <laughs> so, but she doesn't care, and uh, the little family does not care. Everybody's happy, so we got a nice happy ending going over there. Okay, that is a good note to start to wrap up today's show. I wanted to cover our list of uh, things we're looking forward to in the entertainment entertainment realm because there is a lot going on. So, the two things on my list, uh, of course, the Golden Globes are tonight. Yes, and I enjoy the Golden Globes. Um, you know, I think everyone does because it's just a kind of looser show. I enjoy the 5 p.m. Sunday time slot. You know, mm-hmm. when you live on the West Coast and these things are all timed for the East Coast, it's basically just late afternoon entertainment on a Sunday. What could be better than that? Mm-hmm. So the red carpet starts at 4, show goes on at 5. Um, I have colleagues that are going, you know, because I work for 20th Century Fox. So they have like movies and television shows that are in the competition. So you also, you know, I get to see a couple of my colleagues occasionally show up on camera, which is always hilarious. So Golden Globes tonight. Oh, and my next door neighbor, Deborah, is coming over to watch with me. So, oh, that's good. So that's, that's good. good. So we always have fun. So that's tonight. But then coming up February 8th, people, set your DVRs. The That's the premiere of... Samantha Bee's new television show, Full Frontal. You know, Samantha Bee from um, The Daily Show, from Jon Stewart's Daily Show, now has her own late-night talk show on TBS. Um, I think the sisterhood needs to support Samantha Bee. She's okay. hilarious. Uh, she'll be the only woman in late-night late um, I think you can count on her to be smart and funny, and she just has such an interesting demeanor, I think. She was always so great on The Daily Show. So there you go. I'm looking forward to, on TBS, Samantha Bee's Full Frontal, and that premieres February 8th. 
Okay, good, Liz. Well, you know, it's we're busy with Downton Abbey and uh, Madam Secretary. Oh, my God. Yeah, you and Leah and the recappers. How are you going to do that? Well, so many recaps. Everybody just, you just have to start recording so because we're going to be covering it all, and we're really looking forward to that. But also, I want to, you know, I just... I don't know how it happened this week, but I watched American Idol. And I haven't watched American Idol in years. Uh, Monica, our sister Monica, was the original American Idol fan. And I think, she, you know, she has always been our American Idol watcher for Satellite Sisters. But Liz, I have to say, it was an, an incredibly entertaining show. And the chemistry between Harry Connick Jr. and Jennifer Lopez and Keith Urban, it's its so... I mean, I found my, I was chuckling. And they have also somehow, uh, like, snapped it up a little. So you're not seeing sort of just the weirdos um, audition. You're really seeing people with talent. You're hearing some interesting stories. It was it was really a very lively show, and I think it's going to be a fantastic year. So if you haven't watched American Idol in a long time, I'd say give it a whirl. Okay. I was very tempted. I was away this week, so couldn't watch it. But, um, yeah, they're going to bring everyone back. It is going to be mega great this season yep. Yep. as a grand finale. So, okay, I like it. Yeah, so that's, I'm, again, when I win uh, the lottery, Liz, uh, I'll just come out and somehow we'll get some tickets and we'll go to American Idol. That's what I think. <laughs> All right. I, I do need to add one thing about Madam Secretary because Leon had me on a mission this week, Julie, related to Madam Secretary. Uh-huh. So you know how you and Leon did a special interview about yes. Madam Secretary with Lori McCreary, who's the executive producer, and Barbara Hall, who's the showrunner for yes. Uh, yes. So, um, well, I was at a thing with Lori McCreary this week because, again, back to the whole National Geographic Television Critics Association, Lori McCreary's the company that creates Madam Secretary is Morgan Freeman's company. It's called Revelations. It's their show. So. Lori, uh, that's why Morgan Freeman appears occasionally on that show, because he actually <laughs> owns that show. Anyway, so Morgan Freeman and Lori McCreary are doing a new show for the National Geographic Channel called The Story of God. And we're actually just completing it. He's been all over the world shooting it for us. And it's sort of about all of the religions of the world and how are they the same and how are they different. So he's been in Jerusalem and he's been in India and he's been, you know, in Joel Osteen's megachurch in Texas. And, you know, so they're kind of, they're finishing up the show now and it premieres on National Geographic in April. But Lori was going to be there at our uh-huh. press session because Morgan was there. So I was talking to Leanne about it and uh, she's like, you know what, if you get a chance tell Lori McCreary that we are going to enter that conversation for the Gracie Award this year, which you and Leon and I have been talking a lot this week about. We have to get the Gracie uh, entry in today, <laughs> as a matter of fact. As we, I think that's what I'm doing after we finish the show. So she's like, it would be fun if Lori knew we were entering that. So I went up and I, I introduced myself. She's like, oh, oh, we loved doing that. Are you one of the sisters I talked to? I said, no, that was Leon and that was Julie. And they had so much fun doing it. And thank you. She's like, oh, my God, we loved doing that. She said, we are now totally hooked on your show, uh, which is great. And then she said, she said, and in fact, we played it for Eric Stoltz. Now, you may or may not remember, but you and Leon had a lengthy conversation about how hot Eric Stoltz is. Yes, yes. So they said they were listening to it and laughing out loud at that. So when he was in the production office, they made sure they played it for him so that he could know how he was being talked about in his role in Madam Secretary. So isn't that satisfying for you to know? That is very satisfying. You know, and we're not ashamed. We're not ashamed of that. We're glad Eric knows how we feel about him. No, yes. she said he was super flattered and happy to know. That's the way, like, grown-up women felt about him. So there you go. That was a little behind-the-scenes peek at, like, you know, in the television business, you never know who's working on what. And the same person who's doing Madam Secretary can also be doing the story of God. It's kind of what makes it interesting. Wow. So, um, okay. Wow. All right. I well, think... Liz, I, I wish you a good week with your shoes, okay? I think, shoes. If you're, I think if you have the right shoes, you can go anywhere, Liz. That's what I, I think. I am going to wear each one of the five a different day this week just to, like, <laughs> break them back in. I'm so happy. Uh, thank you, Angelo. Thank you, Mom. That's the way I 
I feel about my, my shoe success. Okay. So here we are. Um, if you want to join our Facebook group, we've told you we are always there. You can also friend me on Facebook. I'm just Liz Dolan on Facebook. Liam's Liam Dolan. Julie, you're Julie Smith, right? So yes. you can, please you can, just, we'd, I'd love, we'd love to be friends with yeah, you. Come on, yeah. Come on. You can follow us on Twitter. We're at Sat Sisters. We're also at Sat Sisters on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Uh, so please do that. You know, it's really helpful for us if you can, if you like our show, if you can share it with your friends. So, like, repost it, retweet it, whatever it is. And if you really like our show and you want to write a review for us on iTunes, uh, that counts a lot. So, so fire up the iTunes, just post your, you know, give us your reactions, and uh, that would be really uh, a nice way to start the year if we got some fresh iTunes reviews. Uh, okay, Joel, so... You and Leon, you have your recap work cut out for yes, you. We have, this we have week. plenty to do but this. Then you also got a regular Tuesday show coming up, right? That's absolutely. Yep, yep. We got a big week. Okay, well, everyone have fun. Uh, we are the Satellite Sisters. Don't forget, call your Satellite Sister.